Hello, Pastor Deborah here, and welcome to another wonderful spiritual teaching video for you. In the words of encouragement playlist, this is going to be episode number 27. We're working our way through the year 2023. Go back and look at the year 2022 and maybe 2021. I think I've got words of encouragement all the way back there. See, I believe that you need to have at least a weekly, if not daily, word of encouragement. And while you get your words of encouragement, they teach you, they comfort you, they provide a road ahead, a light in the darkness. Self-reflection. The word self-reflection was used so much in ancient China and many other ancient times. When people would get in trouble, things weren't going right. Their parents, their leaders, their master teachers would have them go and do self-reflection. They would have to write out scriptures, verses, Write out what they did that they believe was wrong. Why they got into trouble. What happened? Sometimes it took days. But self-reflection was an important part of humanity's early history. We don't do that so much anymore. We don't take time. We don't get quiet. We don't write out too often what happened. We don't know how to say I'm sorry. Words of encouragement can come from within yourself. Can come from your spirit to your soul. Come from your memory. It can come from nature. It can come from songs you're hearing. Each of us needs words of encouragement. Maybe daily. Sometimes minute by minute. Yeah. When the loudness of hopelessness and sadness and there's no hope are louder voices, louder music, and there seems to be no end, then we definitely need a word of encouragement. And sometimes we can't give it to ourselves. So we have to have help from the outside. That's what Pastor Deborah does. I'm a master teacher, global spiritual shepherd, pastor, mother, to you spiritually. That part of you that's hidden away in your dirt. The part of you that will live on after your death. The eternal part of you called the spirit. That's right. So here in this word of encouragement, number 27. Of the year 2023, it is entitled, Would the Lord God of King David consider you righteous or wicked? I love to use King David out of the Psalms. He was an excellent, excellent writer, songwriter. He did a lot of self-reflection. And he would go and humble himself before the Lord. When things got bad. 
There's a great movie to watch called David and Bathsheba with Gregory Peck and Susan Hayward. The story goes through their love affair. And then near the end of the movie, when Israel was being punished through drought, because the leader, the shepherd, the king, David, had gotten into adultery and had murdered Bathsheba's husband. And kept it a secret. Because he had fallen into lust. And desire for Bathsheba. She was already married. She was another man's wife. So David murdered Uriah. To have Bathsheba. Oh, And that brought the wrath of God onto Israel. When you're a leader of a family. A business. Community. A nation. Even over your own self. When you get into lust and greed, bad things happen. You will go and murder other people, even in your thoughts. You will steal and kill and destroy to get what you desire. That's the very heart of Satan, the adversary of God. That's not the father's heart. That is an evil, wicked heart. Well, in the movie, when David realized... That the problems of Israel, a famine, drought, was caused by him. He went into the Holy of Holies, where only the priests were supposed to go. He got on his knees before the Ark of the Covenant, where the Ten Commandments were. He poured out his heart to God, and he asked God to kill him, the man he had become, and bring back to life the young child that knew God as a teenager, a young boy out in the field with his father's sheep, the young boy who went after God's heart who could hear him in the night sky. King David asked God to kill within himself the person he had become, this evil, wicked murderer, lustful man, full of greed and sexual desires. He recognized that person that he had become as an adult was far from what he was as a child. He repented of his sins. He told God what he had done. God already knew it, but we have to be able to tell God through self-reflection what we have done. Clears the air. We're admitting our mistakes. We're admitting what we've done wrong. And it was evil in the eyes of this God. And then he leaned forward and put his hands on the ark in the movie. Lightning bolts came. He should have died. But God took his request, his prayer, his petition, and killed inside of David himself, the David that he was. Destroyed him. The lustful, greedy man. Of sexual desire. Killed him. Don't know how that happened. But he did it. And the young boy. Who was in love with God. Who feared to do anything wrong. In the eyes of God. Came alive again. Inside of King David. Powerful visual scene. The whole movie is worth that. Right there. 
And as he walks out, the rain starts falling. And the priest said to David, In God's wisdom, he hears us, said a wonderful thing. And David walks to Bathsheba and tells her she is forgiven. And God has forgiven them both. For Bathsheba was also guilty. And the rains came. And you know the rest. Bathsheba gave birth to Solomon, who became the third king, who became wise. Great movie to watch, David and Bathsheba with Gregory Peck. So here in this word of encouragement for you today, our question is, would the Lord God of King David consider you righteous or wicked? In that story, in that movie, King David had become wicked by looking at the eyes, through his eyes, at a beautiful lady on her rooftop while she was bathing, naked. He lusted. He had wives already. He already had children, but he wasn't satisfied. Lust will take you. You will look, and you know why he was there on his roof? Because he was out of place. King David at that time was supposed to be at war out in the fields, camped with his soldiers, not back in the palace, relaxing, bored, all by himself. He was supposed to be with his soldiers. He was a king at war. He was bored with that. And he was back in the palace while his soldiers were out in the field. When you're out of place, bad things happen. When you're not doing what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it, you will fall into lust. You'll see things you're not supposed to see, do things you're not supposed to do. All to satisfy your lust. I'm going to have a great teaching on lust. Got to get through some other ones. Because lust comes through the eyes. Produces images. It's the very heart of Satan himself. Then comes greed. And then comes killing, envy, jealousy, hate, hiding, deceitfulness, lying. Lust is a powerful force within us. It's done through our eyes of our biological body. It's done through our ears and our hands. When we look, we imagine things. And here, that create images that we try to fulfill with our biological body. Great story, great movie to watch. So let's get back to this word of encouragement. Entitled what? Would the Lord God of King David consider you righteous or wicked? We're going to go to Psalms 11, 4 through 7 of the authorized King James Bible. Let's begin with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all those here in the garden today with us, that you can teach them through your Holy Spirit, no matter where their physical body is, that you can help them to do self-reflection, as King David had to do, 
with you all alone. Father, thank you for the ancient peoples who taught that self-reflection was important. To look at ourselves, to ask ourselves questions, evaluate our behaviors, the reasons and why we do things, the purposes. You can have a purpose that might look good on the outside, but it's really lustful. And I'll just tell you, watching a wonderful Chinese drama. It's about the early days of the communist China in villages and how they were set up and how one man who was being humiliated and rejected by his father, who was very rich, wanted to prove himself by having a big project. So he was going to go into some small villages that he was familiar with, take it over, buy the land from all the people, build this modern agricultural village, put in hotels and resorts, do all kinds of what he called self-improvement for capitalism. And he was going to destroy an ancient way of life and the tea industry and the organic gardening and farming that was done. He was sneaky. He tricked the villagers. He bought off people to help him. All for what? It looked good, but his heart was wrong because he was doing it for himself to make himself to his father look better. He was jealous. His father had belittled him. So he's going to prove himself by doing this great modern agricultural investment. Excellent movie. How it Betrayal works, buying people with money. People will betray their own village people, lie, old ways of life, destroyed for one man's purpose, sort of like King David. Excellent. I think it's called, it has to do with being a general secretary for the Communist Party in a village trying to solve problems, help people get out of poverty, work with the canals, make sure that you win awards as the best city, best village. And everybody has a a vote. Everybody has a voice and a vote. And how you have to work together under the rules of the Communist Party. It's an excellent movie. It gets very intense. And I've been watching it, and it was goes right along with this with King David. How we will lie to ourselves and lie to other people why we're really doing what we're doing. Why wasn't King David satisfied with all his other wives and his children? What, what, why did he need Bathsheba? Why wasn't God's love enough? So you have to do self-reflection. That's what this word of encouragement is going to do with you. So, Father, thank you for the ancient historical movies, for King David and his life. We know he's at peace now with you. And we thank you that he wrote his stories and his words down for us to understand. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. All right, let's go to Psalms 11, 4 through 7. Verse 4. The Lord 
is in his spiritual holy temple. The Lord's throne is the kingdom of heaven. As a teacher, a master teacher, when I teach, I go slow. I could just teach on those two topics, the holy temple, that the Lord is in it, that the Lord's throne, that means he's a king, is in the kingdom of heaven. His spiritual eyes behold. They look upon. They can see. They can try. They can judge the spiritual children of humanity. The forever person that's inside a dirt body of a human. We each have one. It goes by many different names. But we all have one. That's the pattern. The eternal person, the forever person is what I call it. The third part of us comes in when an egg and a sperm start growing. First, the dirt body has to get sort of prepared. When the heartbeat happens, that is when the spirit is there. Now, the spirit has been encased in the flesh, in the dirt body. The DNA of the sperm and egg have been perverted, twisted, changed by Satan due to death. It's not the same pureness that it used to be. That's why many children are born with birth defects. They die in the womb of natural causes. Death is at work. Perversion. Mm -hmm. Sickness. DNA has changed. In building the human body. But the forever person has to get inside of it. When the heartbeat happens. Life comes. The spirit is there. But it's so encased in the soul. That it's not free. Mm -hmm. That's my belief. So we learn right here in verse 4 that the Lord was in his holy temple and who sits on a throne in heaven, that eternal place. He has eyes that look on us. They can see your thoughts, your images in your mind. They can see your spirit. They can hear your words, your thoughts. And they will try you. They will judge your spiritual desires, your thoughts, your images. Look at your circumstances spiritually of the forever person. So we're learning that there is someone. And it is the Lord God of King David. The guy that he messed up that we will see in the movie, David and Bathsheba. Verse 5. The Lord tries, he judges, examines the spiritual righteousness. What does that mean? There's a right way to go and think, do and desire with the Lord. He's looking for that in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit. So he's going to try it, look at it, examine what you're thinking about, what your desires are. Are they perverted like David? Oh, 
You can have all kinds of deceptions. Lie to us on the cameras. Lie to us in books. Lie to us in schools. Can lie to us as a father and a mother. Can lie be to, lie to us as lovers. Can lie to yourself. But he's going to look and try you and judge what's going on in here. But the spiritual wicked and him that loves spiritual violence. He's going to look at you and see is your spirit a wicked one? And is your soul, which it is, a wicked one? According to his righteous rules and laws. And that it loves violence. He's got to figure that out. And he will look, examine you. He will look at your desires, your purposes, why you're doing things. Like that man in that Chinese man. What was his real purpose for going into that small village? Lying to them. Bribing them. Putting on a good front. It was all for himself to look good and be accepted by his father. So he was willing to spend money, lots of it, just to have his father's approval. He's willing to kill, betray, destroy ways of life and ancient history and people. He didn't care for them. He just wanted to build something. Of modern agriculture, farming, resorts, taking advantage of the area and its beauty. He didn't care about the villagers. He didn't care about the governing systems. All he cared about is I got to build something to show my worth to my father. My father, I was not wise or accepted in my father's eyes. So I'll destroy anything and everyone to get that acceptance. That's what the Lord God is looking at. You can fake it to everybody, laugh and smile, deny it. But God sees your thoughts, your desires, your images, your motives. He's looking. He's the Lord God of King David. And he would consider you unrighteous and wicked. And he will say to himself, my soul, my heart, we do not like that kind of person with those thoughts. My mind, my righteousness hates it. It's evil and wicked in the kingdom of heaven. Verse number six. Upon the spiritual wicked. He, the Lord of King David, shall spiritually reign. Bring down sort of what this motion video from Pixabay is showing us. Pour down snares, nets, traps. Fire and brimstone. Yeah. Even if it's just in your thoughts. You feel guilty eventually. You hide. And if 
you cover up all the time, it will destroy your biological brain. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of this in the movie, The Ten Commandments. When God was doing battle against the gods of Egypt to help the people, the Hebrews, believe in him again, they had forgotten who he was, that he was the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob because they had been imprisoned in Egypt for over 400 years. They were slaves and they had sort of started worshiping and believing in the gods of Egypt. When you're in foreign territory for so long, you forget who the true God is. There was a few, the Levites, who Moses was a child of, who kept the faith. But 99.9% of the Hebrews forgot who this God was and what his name was. So, you saw fire and brimstone come down also in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah when God was going to judge a city for its homosexuality, its sex, its lust, its evil, its wickedness of humanity. And what had happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, they had gotten so rich through trade, we'll say capitalism, they became lazy, and desirous, and all they wanted was sexual pleasure. But they were going to have sex with holy men. Mm-hmm. And when Laban, Abraham's brother, wasn't going to let his guests, these two holy men, be given to the city for sex, he offered his daughters who had never had sex. That's a horrible father. A lot of people think it was because of homosexuality. It was the whole system of the city. It had become so perverse, wicked, evil. It was horrible. And we saw that God destroyed it through brimstone, rocks, maybe like that it come from a volcano or something and brimstone. So you can say that. And you read about that in that. And God will bring a horrible tempest. Now, a lot of times all of this stuff that we see in ancient days in the natural happen inside of our soul. I just read this morning about several people taking their own lives. We hear about this tempest when people are crazy, going around with mass murders, shooting people, hating people. The tempest is in here. Your spirit and your soul. David goes on and said, all of these horrible things of agony and despair and attacks within in our spirit and our soul. This shall be the portion of their cup. These wicked perverse people. The results of their spiritual deeds. Their actions. This is their rewards. That's what this 
righteous king of King David of the kingdom of heaven is saying, once I look at you and judge you. Now you can get judged now and do self-reflection. Ask God to forgive you. Change your ways. If you've broken the law, even of man, you confess it. Take your punishment. It won't be pretty. But most people won't do that. Politicians won't do it. Many fathers won't do it when they're in adultery. Or women. Children don't want to do it. Nobody wants to get caught. Nobody wants to be guilty. But he says, if you will go ahead and confess it, we're going to deal with it. Go and get your spanking. Go and get sent to your room. Denied pleasures. Maybe you might have to go through some sickness. But let's get it over with. So on judgment day, when you do physically die and your forever person leaves your body and you square off with me, the king of the kingdom of heaven in my throne room. I'll deal with it then. I got the videos, the text messages, the emails. I got the pictures. I use satellites. My angels are writing down every thought, every desire, every motive, every deed of your spirit and your soul. I'm seeing why you do what you do. I'm seeing every lie you've told. Even to yourself. Got it written down. And I'll bring out the evidence in the courtroom. And you'll have to stand there and listen and watch the videos about yourself. And we'll do a reflection. And all of the kingdom of heaven will know what you were and you chose to be. And God is saying, then the wrath will come. A lot of you going into outer darkness. Some of you are going to end up in the lake of fire. But God has a way. He says, if you will come to me now and accept my forgiveness and mercy and admit your mistakes, your unrighteousness, your evilness, we'll clean that up. You can start over like King David in the movie. The you that you are must die and a new you must come forth, innocent, pure. Something's got to die here. Something's going to pay the price. Do it now. Do it later. Verse 7. For the spiritually righteous Lord. Spiritually loves righteousness. Which are his ways. His laws. His decrees. His edicts. His right paths. His thoughts. His image, his likeness, his spiritual continence. He's only looking for himself in you. He's looking for the mind of Christ in you. He's looking to see if your soul and your physical body match up and line up with your spirit. Who's in control of you? Him or somebody else? Who's in control of your thoughts? What are your motives? What are your desires? Are they wicked? Like Sodom and Gomorrah and King David with Bathsheba? Are you a liar? Deceiver? 
Are you serving another God besides him? Are you in darkness and ignorance and living in another kingdom? He's looking. He's looking to see your continents on the inside, your feelings, your thoughts, your desires. He wants to delight in you. He wants to look at you and be happy and proud. He wants to put his arm around you and say, my child, look, everyone. They are glorious and righteous. He's trying to look at you and tell the whole eternity you are his. You are a righteous one. You have no wickedness in you. But he has to judge your spirit. Mm-hmm. I've been there. He judged me when I was Jan. And Jan died like King David's did. Evil, wicked, immoral. And Pastor Deborah Rose, you'll read about that and hear about that in a story called It's Time. About a spiritual transformation. David had to go through it. Paul had to go through it. Took him three days. Self-reflection. After getting knocked on his little butt. By the power of God. He'd been going after his own people to kill him. Because they wouldn't follow the religious laws of the priest. They were going after some Jesus guy. Who said he was the son of God. Well, God needed him to help him spread the word. He was not married. He was was able to read and write. He would travel. He was a wonderful missionary, evangelist. God used him. But first, God had to change him. The old Paul had to die. And a new Paul had to come to life. Excellent. There's a lot of good movies about Paul. Go watch him. Study him. His transformation. That's what you got to go through. Now let's go to 1 Peter 3.12. This was written by one of the early apostles, the followers, disciple of Jesus Christ, Peter. He, he was a mess. He was really an uneducated man, probably could not read nor write. And he had some issues, fearful issues. And God had to restore him because of fear of death. Verse 12, for the spiritual eyes of the Lord, Peter is saying, are watching, judging, beholding the spiritual righteous ones. God will look at you. Some days I feel him smiling at me. He's happy. Other times he's quiet. He's testing me. Other times he wants me to be self-reflective. One time, this powerful story, when you get in the flesh and you're doing things your way, what you think is right, God is not going to talk to you. And I was writing letters and sending stuff into prison, into solitary confinement. I wanted a prison ministry like other people do. I would print out long letters and send in Bibles. It was very expensive. And no money was coming in from anywhere to help me. 
And I was getting frustrated. So I prayed to God to tell him, what is going on? Is this me or you or am I off? No answer. When you're in the flesh, God is not going to talk to you. So he talked to my dad, who I had never heard my dad. One morning about 8.30, my dad calls me up on the phone and said, I had a dream and God talked to me. Now, can you imagine this? My father had never talked like this to me. God says, you are not doing what he wants. You're in the flesh. This prison ministry is not of him. It's of Satan. Satan is using it to steal your time, your energy, your joy, your money. It's not of God. Stop it. I couldn't believe it. But when you're in the flesh and you're not doing God's work, he is not going to talk to you. You got to go to prophets. You have to go to other people. God's quiet. Do you know how hard that felt for me to stop something that I wanted? I couldn't understand why I couldn't have a ministry like other people in the prisons. Because that's not what I was called to do. I was called to do spiritual stuff, not print out all these things and send it to people. So it took me a while, and I didn't stop. I felt bad. And my dad had to tell me again a few weeks later, stop doing what you're doing. It's not of God. It's of the flesh. I had to pray hard. Then I had to stop. It wasn't easy to give up my desires, my motives, my reasoning. But I did. Then God started talking to me again. See, I've been through these experiences that I'm talking to you about. I've been tested, tried, one way or another by God. God's allowed Satan to touch me, with almost killed me, in my own home, by somebody I'm trying to help. Out in the world, with reputation, business, being fired from jobs, lack of money, God was allowing Satan to touch me, like Job. So here in First Peter, Peter is telling us, for the spiritual eyes of the Lord are over. They're watching. They're judging. They're beholding the spiritual righteous. And his spiritual ears are open. They're listening unto our prayers, our petitions, our thoughts, our cries. Our silent tears. Sometimes we just go, what is going on? Why is this happening? He hears that. He heard me when I asked him about this prison ministry. So I had to learn to ask God, is this of you or somebody else? Because it could be me, my own thoughts. Making decisions that are not right or righteous. It could be Satan. Speaking to me. Satan can't get in me. I've got a shield around me. Been delivered of all that. But he can be out here speaking. He can speak through family. Through circumstances. Through pressure. And then there's God. I had to learn. Who was talking. 
Who was instigating this? Whose idea was this? And the prison ministry came because I looked at other women and they would have prison ministry. They'd send in books and all kinds of things and say, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. Because I wanted to be in touch and change the lives of prisoners. Well, I was going to do a different kind of prison, a spiritual prison than an earthly prison. I was going to be moving in dreams in the spirit, not in the flesh, not through printed scriptures, through books. Now I'm doing it through videos. But at the time, all the only model I had was other Christian ministers. And I wanted to be like them. And they were the pattern I was using, and it wasn't the pattern God had picked for me. For them, it may have been okay, but not for Pastor Deborah. Mine was different. But until you learn that about God and you, you're you're going to go down some wrong paths. I did. That was Jan doing that, not Pastor Deborah. First Peter 3.12 goes on and says, But the face of the Lord, his eyes, his mind, his ears, his feelings, his thoughts and actions, is against them, the spiritually wicked that do evil. When I was in the flesh, I was not in the spirit. When I was doing the prison ministry, my way, according to a pattern I'd seen in Christianity, that that's how you were to do it. God's face, his heart, his thoughts was against me. He couldn't even talk to me. He had to talk through somebody else to get my attention. I wasn't listening to him. I was going about my own stuff. Many of us do that. A politician, a policeman, a fireman, a father, a mother, business leader, community leader, volunteers, nurses, doctors, military. It took God speaking to my father, who he had never done that to me before, to shock me. And then still, it was like I was an addict. I didn't want to give it up. The bond, the soul tie was so powerful. But I had to. And it took me a while, several weeks. And then it took my father reminding me again that what I was doing was not of God. He's not directing me. This was of Satan. My father said that. But it was hard and difficult. And the eyes of the Lord in his ears, they are looking at everything you're doing. And he won't talk to you when you're in unrighteousness and wickedness. When you're following other people, the herd, so to speak. When you think what you're doing is, because that's what the only pattern I had was that. So I had to stop. And then God would talk to me and direct me. He was against me. I was a spiritually wicked person. Jan was. And you'll learn that in its time. Now we go off to John 9.31. 
John was another early disciple of Jesus Christ, probably the youngest one. And he could read and write. Verse 31. Now we know as a believer that God hears not sinners, the wicked, the evil, the unbelievers. When you pray to other gods or goddesses, he doesn't hear your prayers. When you're in wickedness and you're lying, doesn't matter how many times you go to church, make the sign of the cross. Burn candles and incense. The God of King David does not hear you. March around a statue, a cube. Go into temples. God does not hear you, the God of the Bible. Because you don't believe in him yet. You're not praying to him, not seeking him. But he's going to help you. Mm-hmm. He hears not sinners, the wicked and the evil, the unbelievers. Until King David got in that place with God alone, in the Holy of Holies, bowed his knees, confessed his sins of wickedness, murder, and lust, and jealousy about Uriah and Bathsheba. God already knew it all, but you must be able to confess it yourself. Admit what you have done and the reasons. And ask God to kill that person that you have become. That evil, wicked thing. That unrighteous thing. And then you must put your life in God's hands. As David did on the Ark of the Covenant. He expected to die physically. Because no unholy man could touch the Ark. And when he touched it in the movie, lightning came. And the David he had become had died. That's what happened to Jan. Even though she was born again at three, you can develop and become an evil, wicked person. David was anointed as a teenager. He loved God as a young boy. But life and kings under King Saul, fear, lust, kingship, authority, power, being out of place, not with his people, his soldiers, lonely, even though he's had many wives, hot, looking out his window at a lady bathing, naked. He lusted and wanted. He would have done anything to have her. He was a lonely man. He had no purpose. Nobody's going to talk to him except God. God just watched him with Bathsheba. Watched him. Then he had to send a prophet in to tell him. And he had to tell him a story about a man stealing somebody else's baby lamb and killed it. And asked God and asked King David to do a judgment. King David said that man's guilty of theft and robbery. You should be killed. And the prophet said, you are the man. You stole Bathsheba, another's lamb, Uriah's. You're guilty. You must die. So David went into prayer and God said, okay, I need you. The child that Bathsheba's carrying will die. It was conceived in sin. 
and wickedness and lust and desires. And you killed Uriah, hoping nobody would know what happened. Fathers use their own children, traffic them for money and power. Happens every day. People sell themselves for position, politics, business. Sell out people to get their own approval. Got to tie it all together. So John is telling us God doesn't hear us when we're sinning. He didn't hear me, but he knew what I was doing. He ain't going to talk to you. I was wicked and evil when I was doing that. And in the story, it's time you'll hear about the death of Jan, like the death of the adult David. He had to return to the young boy that loved God, who cared for God's sheep. Even an unbeliever is a wicked one in God's eyes because they're praying to other gods, following other rules, laws. They're in another kingdom. But if any spiritual man be a spiritual worshiper of God, like King David in the movie, the Lord God of Israel, the Father of Christ Jesus, and does his will, The Father, the Lord's, him and his prayers, petitions, will the Father hear. A lot of relationship about the Father. When you're in trouble in your family, God ain't going to talk to you. So what we learn here in these scriptures is there is a God who desires to hear you and communicate with you. Only when you're in a when you're in a righteous relationship in here with yourself and with him. Self reflection. What would he say about you? What would King David say? What would Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob say about you your thoughts, your actions, your behaviors? Who would they say you're worshiping? Praying to for help, guidance, lifting up, burning candles to, incense to, praying to, wishing to. The God of King David or someone else? Would you be considered by King David righteous or wicked? These are all self-reflection questions that you must ask yourself. What God are you serving? Yourself? Your government? Your political party? Greed? Money? Sex? Desire? Drugs? Happiness? Tradition? Ancestors? What God rules you? What laws govern you? Who's in charge inside of you? Your spirit? Your soul? Your physical body? Self-reflection. So here in this word of encouragement, number 27, I want you to do some self-reflection. 
Take time and think. Would the Lord God of King David consider you righteous or wicked? And what you think, do, the images. So you'll learn through Pastor Deborah and the word. You don't have to do the behavior to have done it in here. Jesus Christ said you even look and lust after something. You've already done it in here. It's a done deal. That's how powerful your thoughts are. We see that a lot in post-traumatic stress disorder. person has a memory. It says if they are in that event, going through it again. It's a real, real time. Spirit and soul. So this is my word of encouragement. It's a self-reflection time for you. Would the Lord God of King David consider you righteous or wicked? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of self-reflection. We thank you that you are with us to help us. For you desire for us to learn and grow. And to teach us. Help us to look at ourselves. First. And see what is going on. Help us to answer this question. That King David is asking us. Help us father. Only you can do this. And if we're not one of your children. Please make us one. Through the cross. Through the blood. And then help us to teach us. Give us a spiritual mother. That she will comfort us with your love. Be with us. Teach us. Give us a master teacher along with the Holy Spirit. Help our spirits to come alive. Grow and develop. And then to transform our souls into the righteous king and child that you intend us to be. That will bring you glory and honor. In the kingdom of heaven on earth. Father, thank you for these words of encouragement that you brought to us today. A time of self-reflection. A time to look into ourselves. To see, are we righteous or wicked in your eyes? In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. Okay, I'll see you next time on the next word of encouragement. Bye.